You are listening to Uncommentary, the home of conversations and clarity. Recently named one of Christianity Today's 12 podcasts you don't want to miss, 2021, I'm your host, Marty Duran. Hey folks, this is Marty. I want to remind you again about my friend Byron at Hearts and Minds Books and encourage you to order from this uh, independent bookstore up in Pennsylvania. Uh, it's heartsandmindsbooks.com. And when you go there, you'll see easily the navigation to uh, request a book or to ask about a book. Uh, they're super helpful. If you'll mention uncommentary, uh, on some books, you can get a discount. They can't discount everything because of the nature of their small operation. But when they can, they do. And I really encourage you to check them out. Uh, he mentioned to me recently that there has been some business come his way as a result of the podcast. That makes me like really happy. That's heartsandmindsbooks.com. Uh, you can actually leave a card on file. I do this all the time. And then email him when you want a new book and how you want it shipped to you. And he can handle it uh, right there through your email. And uh, it's really, really encouraging to him. And so I encourage you to check them out. One of my guests today on Uncommentary needs no introduction at all. She's been teaching the Bible and writing Bible studies as well as books and a novel, and maybe two, for years now, uh, formerly affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention, or at least a church within it. Uh, Beth Moore is going to be joining me today, along with her daughter, Melissa, with whom she has co-written a recent Bible study on Galatians, and it looks really, really good. I've gone through uh, a number of it. I've, I've thumbed through it and reviewed it. I haven't worked through it, uh, but it looks very, very good. I'm very impressed with the work that they've done on it. Uh, so we're going to talk about that in the first half of the podcast today. And then in the second part of the podcast is a little more broadly ranging. So I encourage you to join both and do not miss the ad in the middle. If you miss the ad in the middle, you're not going to forgive yourself for it. It's the big reveal. So thanks for joining me today. Well, my guests today don't need much introduction. Uh, one of them certainly needs no introduction. And the other one is a budding like Ansel Adams up in the Pacific Northwest. I'm going to start calling you Damsel Adams. Would that be okay if I did that? If you're talking about me, I would love that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> So Melissa Moore does a lot of cool photography up in the Pacific Northwest. And her mom, Beth, is also with us today. Uh, ladies, yes. I am so happy that you guys are here. Welcome to Uncommentary. Hey, we're happy we, to be here. We are just thrilled. Uh, I got to tell you that we think through this really, really carefully. And you, we trust, Marty. <laughs> Prove trustworthy. <laughs> so I'm going to go right to asking Melissa about old family problems. Um, <laughs> do, do. Melissa, can it, I just envision that when you were a kid, if you or your sister got in some kind of trouble that Beth went into like granny clampet mode and like a rolling pin around the front yard, barefoot skirt pulled up and all that stuff. Did that ever happen? She was more of a like, go cut your switch type. Um, well, well, I should say with, with me only, with me only because Thank my you. sister simply didn't get in trouble. Thank um, you. I don't actually remember her using it, but she did use like the the threat, you know, like she yeah. wanted me to like pick out the, the, the switch. Like the horror and of see picking it, out but, the yeah, weapon. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Wow. But she never yeah. used it. I mean, what she just like throw it in the yard. 
I don't remember her ever using it on well, me. Well, wow. here's here's what I I can tell you. That's Most of trauma. the time, the same end goal was met and that mostly what I needed her to do was go outside. And so what she (laughs) would do is she would go out to hunt a switch. And then of course she would not come in for several hours. By that time I had moved past what had made me so mad. Yes. Ah, yes. That's a good strategy. Yes. So so I I was fairly passive. Well, this explains why I am who I am, which is that I have to be outside. Like, that's how I work out all of my angst. I just have to get outside, you know. I thought you were going to say this is this is why you're twelve hundred miles away. <laughs> no, I, I I hate I hate being twelve hundred miles away from my mom. But uh, seriously, like we had this crazy um, like wildfire smoke in the Pacific Northwest over like was it August, mom, or September? Yeah, I think I, uh, uh, no, late we, summer. It was like crazy toxic air and Mm. I did not leave my home. I could not walk outside except to open up the door to let my dog out um, for like eight days. And I, I've never been that in that much despair. I was like, (laughs) I don't actually think there's a reason at all anymore. It really, (laughs) it really impacted me to just to not be able to breathe the air, you know? So we all heard it here first folks. Melissa went out to get a switch when she was 12 and wound up in the Pacific Northwest. That's the news. (laughs) (laughs) And despite that disharmony in the family, you guys reconciled and wrote a Bible study called now that faith has come a study of Galatians. I have to tell y'all, that Galatians is one of my very favorite books, probably second only to Hebrews in all of the scriptures. So how did y'all decide? Of course, Beth, you've written on everything except the Apocrypha so far. Um, Hey, I I would love to do the Apocrypha. That's next. Thank you, Marty. Don't get us started. We have just had that conversation. Y'all just, look, I know y'all just signed a contract with Vatican Press. Don't try to fool me. (laughs) You know, we did. You know, (laughs) well, okay. In order, this is one of the worst things about me. Well, it it, it probably is the very, very most annoying thing is that I'm going to go all the way back to the sundial to tell you what time it is. But (laughs) I'm going to make this really short in that this one wasn't just out of the blue. Melissa has been working with me behind mm-hmm. the page uh, all the way from the time that I wrote the uh, the Bible study on Esther called It's Tough to Be a Woman, um, or It's Tough Being a Woman. It's Tough Being a Woman. I tell you, it's something. Both, both of them are true. Both of them are true. Both of those are true, but it's tough when you forget what the title of the book is. That's, That's what's the name really of the tough. Esther study. It's tough when you forget. It's tough when you forget. That is exactly it. So she began doing research. The reason why we do that so well together is because I love the research uh, process myself. Mm -hmm. I don't give that away to anybody, but she does a different kind. She's coming from a little bit of a different angle and she's got a different kind of of, uh, resource outlet to go through and all those kinds Mm -hmm. of things. And together we just cross all manner of resource and bring so many things uh to the to the table that we can really see what what what's this study what's this so she began that that way behind the page where you couldn't see her and Liz I'm thinking that the first time you came onto the page would have been with the James Bible study with uh, Mercy Triumphs isn't that yes, right ma'am. yes ma'am so uh that was a um a really fun thing and she began doing articles like she'd do two articles a week and I'd write all the homework 
Then we did that again with Second Timothy Entrusted. And what happened was that an, enough people responded. They enjoyed the fact that our voices are really are really different mm-hmm. and that we're going to sit on different sides of that page and we're going to see it from different angles. And she speaks uh, with her own uh, perspective on it. And so people began really responding, asking about it. So this time, I mean, I just told her from the top, I said, babe, let's co-write this one. Come in with me and write homework with me. And so every single week of this Bible study, I write days one, three, and five, and she writes days two and four. So we really did do this one together from the top. That's awesome. Melissa, what, what was your favorite thing in this collaboration? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I, I think doing it with mom, um, it, it makes it a totally different experience than doing it alone. I mean, not that I've done it alone, but I kind of don't want to, like people have asked me, what are you going to write a study, you know, on your own? And I, I don't have much interest in that because for me, like, uh, interpretation of scripture and studying scripture and the doing of theology, it is a community, endeavor. And so the fact that mom and I, I mean, every, every day that mom wrote, I read and every day that I wrote mom read, we talked through it. I might say, Hey, you might want to think about Mm -hmm. this. And she would say, you can't say it like that. Like you're going to lose people. And just that, um, going back and forth, it's what makes it, um, wait, your mom, your mom said you can't say it like that. You're going to lose people. How did I know that Marty (laughs) was going to say that? How did I know? Let's also say that Melissa also has been known to say mother, this is exactly what got you into trouble last time. So it, it is, it's very much a mutual thing. But see, we love this. We love that our minds are on the same thing and that, that where most people would, could not care less about something that one of us just read in a resource. Mm-hmm. The, we're going to send to each other and go, okay, stop what you're doing and, and read this right here. And what, what made Galatians fun list, we have to point this out because Melissa talked me into James. I would not have been naturally inclined toward James because I just by my, by type, by personality, by journey, by my experience, Mm -hmm. I'm your Galatians girl. Absolutely. Well, Melissa, isn't it fair to say, Liz, you wouldn't have chosen Galatians. So I, I love knowing what it is that caught you list um, early on because it didn't take long before she was kind of like, okay, yeah, Mm -hmm. I I think we can do this. Yeah. I had a lot of um, preconceptions about Galatians. I wasn't excited about it. Like when mom told me, I think mom was memorizing it. She, I don't know if you know about uh, this about her, but she memorizes massive portions of scripture. Like she just has the brain that's able to do that. And it's incredible. I I used to have that brain, but it went away. I, I never have had it. I don't have it. And, um, and so I'm, I'm pretty amazed by it. But anyway, she, she was memorizing, doing memory work through it. And I think was falling in love with a book. And I was pretty reluctant, like just not excited because I associated it with like, like reformed theobrogens who have all the solas in their profile. Like just, I, I hashtag 1689. 
it, yeah, I, I don't know what my ideas were. It, it, what's hilarious is that the whole book and the thrust of the book to me is so different than that. Um, yeah. I, I, so, so let's park here for a second and, and kind of unpack that a little bit because I don't, well, let me say, first of all, I appreciate the fact that the references that you use are actual references. They're not like links to blog posts and GoFundMe accounts. They're actual either theological journals or recognized authoritative commentaries. It's legitimate stuff that anybody would recognize if they've ever been in any, any kind of biblical studies. So I really do appreciate that. So let's talk about Galatians and its relationship to the law. What is Paul saying in Galatians that a lot of people seem to miss because they seem to be really uber focused on the law in spite of saying how much they like grace and love Galatians. I'm going to let Melissa take this one because this was one of the most important things to her. Well, I, one of my passions uh, in biblical studies is tracing like the positive function of the law. The fact that the law originated from God and it was meant to be in the, in the language that we would use as life giving. Mm. And we've all, uh, you know, we've grown up in more refor- reformed circles where we have just a very negative interpretation of the law. And so, so to me, you really have to understand what a gift the law was to Israel to even understand the revolutionary idea that Paul is bringing in Galatians, which is that in in the crucifixion of Christ, when Paul dies with Christ, he dies to the values, the passions of the world. Mm -hmm. And even though he's in some sense still living in the world, he's living out of the values of the next one, you know? And so, uh, I don't know, mom, what would you say beyond that? I'm, I'm just right there with you. It's just magnificent because Melissa is very careful. She'll almost go on the defensive if it becomes too negative about the law because she's like, no, we have to go back and state its place, state its importance and state its beauty before we can even understand and appreciate what's happened here. This this thing that has happened, this completely transformational thing that has happened in the life of Paul with the way he felt about it. I mean, mm-hmm. with it being everything to him. And then, of course, uh, by way of the cross also has happened to us. So so uh, I love that. She's forever my balance on that, because if I go too far one direction, she's going to balance it off and yeah. they kind of do the seesaw with me. Well, and, and that's why when mom was talking about James and how um, how more inclined I was to that book, it's because James has a has tends toward a more positive perspective, like this phrase of the perfect law of liberty. Um, so mom and I've kind of gone back and forth. And, and I think the reason for that is because of the, the, di- the diversity um, of perspectives toward the law in the New Testament itself. I think yes. that the difference in perspective actually stems from the texts of the New Testament. Yep. Yep. So Galatians 5.1 is probably my favorite not maybe not my favorite. It is definitely up in the top tier of favorite Bible verses for freedom. Christ has made you free. I actually think a lot of Christians are afraid of that entire concept. They Derek Webb had a song a number of years ago <clears throat> called a new law. And the, the genesis of the song is that we're free from the law, but our tendency is to seek a new law because we're more comfortable with rules than we are with freedom. 
Um, talk about that a little bit. What's the significance of a verse like that? Uh, I, I would tell you right now, Melissa would immediately point to me on that one, because when we realized when we broke it all apart into five days per week for six weeks, she said, mother, it's going to fall where you're going to get Galatians 5.1, because she knows, as does the rest of my family, that that if we were going to pick a life verse for mm-hmm. me, uh, that would be it. Because, man, I just come from so much uh so, so much baggage and have been pulled and, and freed from so much stuff uh, by the Lord. Um, but one of the things I'm co- absolutely convinced of, I'm convinced that one reason why we do not appreciate the spirit what, and what Paul is saying about the Holy Spirit. Listen, Marty, one of the things that Melissa and I said along the way, and since you love the book, you'll already understand what we're talking about. The Galatians on the Holy Spirit, it's just... It is so impactful. It is what he's doing in his writing to the Galatians in reference to the spirit is 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 remarkable. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely remarkable. It would be a study all by itself. But I will maintain forever that one of the reasons why we will still look to find to for law, Mm -hmm. that we'll still cling to legalism is because we desperately want something we can control. And so we can do that. We can, we can number those out. We can point to that instead of where it gets down further into the chapter and toward the end of chapter five, it shows us, it illustrates it. This is what it looks like. He begins talking what it looks like to walk in the spirit, to be led by the spirit, to live by the spirit. This is what it looks like. And he's telling us, he's saying that this is the fruit of it. You'll know it because this is the fruit it produces. It's in its context. It is It's clear. It's perfectly clear. But we just can't appreciate that freedom because, I mean, like, what if we don't police one another properly? See, just it sort of fired the police. And and I mean this for the religious police. It sort of it it left us where we we didn't have the same power over one another to arrest one another. And because we were to listen, it was about relation. It was about getting in there and listening in prayer, in Bible study, that it coming out of a relationship with Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, we don't like that. We want something. We like that concrete, man. We, well, that, yeah. That balance is kind of in there where it says, uh, bear one another's burdens and then bear your own burden because there's two different words it. used there. You better believe it. And this is, this is, this is the law. This is what it looks like. The law looks like at the, at the end of the day, it is uh, faith expressing itself through love. I mean, it just, this is, this is it. This is it. And so, you know, that's not, we want, we need more details than that. Yeah. I hear you. Folks, you're listening to Uncommentary. This is my conversation with Melissa and Beth Moore. And we'll be right back after this. Okay, everyone. So today is the big day. It is April 27th, and this is the day of the giveaway of Jamar Tisby's book, The Color of Compromise. So here's what you need to do. You need to retweet the episode so you can tweet the original Uncommentary Pod link uh, from Twitter, or you can tag uh, at Uncommentary Pod with a link to, uh, say, the Apple Podcast version or the Google Play version, the Spotify version. You need to include a link to this episode in your tweet and you need to tag at uncommentary pod, make sure you're following at uncommentary pod and you'll be able to, uh, and I'll send you a DM with the link, 
that takes you directly to the place, the page where you will uh, get the book. Now, here's the thing. It's three fifty for shipping. So you have to pay the shipping, which is media mail. You have to pay that, but the book is free. So you'll get a link to a site, uh, on that site, you'll be able to order one book and then pay the media mail. And then the book will be sent out to you from our partner at, uh, hearts and minds books, Byron Borger. If you're on Facebook and you're friends with, uh, or you liked the Marty Duran page, then you also can leave a comment there. Uh, I will send you a, a message, a private message with the link. So it'll be those who do this before, say, noon on the day, Tuesday, April 27th, will have first shot. After that, I'm just going to post the link, and then it's first come, first serve, and when the 50 are gone, then the free books are gone, and you'll have to pay if you decide to go ahead and get it. So that's how it works. Tweet the link, tag at UncommentaryPod, say you want the book, and I will DM you the link where you can get the book for shipping only or on Facebook on my page, not my personal account. You can leave a comment there. I will uh, private message you the link and you can do that. And about noon, I'm just going to put it out there. And then anybody who wants it uh, can get any remaining books. If there are any by that time. So thanks for listening. Thanks to Byron Borger at hearts and minds books. And thanks to a very generous uh, benefactor who listens to uncommentary and uh, decided to bless uh, my listeners in this way. So God's grace on you all. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Melissa, I want to ask you first, was it difficult? We're going to, we're going to shift gears a little bit. Okay. Uh, was it difficult growing up with a world famous mom? Gosh, that's a question, Marty. Um, yeah, yeah. I know. it had a question mark yeah. at the end of it. I, I think that, at times it wasn't, but at other times it was, you know, and, and I, I still experience that where like, I'll go through a season where it's not, it's really joyous and I am honored and privileged. Uh, and then there are other seasons I'm always honored and privileged, but there are other seasons where it's incredibly painful. Uh, the last season has been, I would say since about 2015, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it, it has been one massive, massive journey. Uh, yeah. I, I was, I was going to say beating, but I don't want to, I don't want to say that, but, um, it's I think been, that's right though, babe. it's I been really painful right. since about 2015. Well, I if think, you weren't a darn cultural Marxist, all of this would be better. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I I'm sure I have some relatives who would agree with you, Marty. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Well, uh, to maybe to alleviate any uh, personal injury that you feel or anything like that. <clears throat> I was not a world famous pastor. I'm not a world famous anything actually, but uh, all of my kids struggle with some effect of being the pastor's kid and sure. almost every pastor's kid does. So, yeah. I hope that you don't um, that you don't feel like your ex your your experience may be amplified some because your mom is world known, but what you're feeling is also felt by a bunch of kids whose parents are just in ministry. Period. I I agree with you, Marty. I also want to say one thing, which is that the cruelty that is directed toward women is a particular kind of cruelty, especially yeah. within the circles that we run in. And so I think 
I agree with you. And, and, and I have a lot of, I feel a lot of solidarity with pastors kids, even, and it has nothing to do really with the level of exposure. It's more like the cruelty and the disrespect, mm-hmm. um, toward my beloved mother who is a grown woman, right. <laughs> you know? Um, so I would say that's the only distinction. And in that way, I do feel alone sometimes because yeah. there have been so few women in our world who have led in the way that she has. So she sort of, she sort of sums up a lot of things to people and takes, you know, anyway, that's all I'll say about that. But yeah. um I'm sitting with that still and I'm in therapy every week. Yeah. So as, as many of us probably should be. Um, <laughs> so uh, Beth, she referenced 2015, which, you know, is more than a date on the calendar, I suppose. Yes. Um, and I seem to remember that some of the anxiety that was foisted upon evangelicalism in general and the Southern Baptists in particular uh, was when you spoke out about uh, or during, I guess, the Me Too movement and Church Two movements and started telling your story. And in particular, in some ways that you had been treated um, in your journey as a Bible teacher and having uh, opportunities. Um, is there anything beyond what you've already said that you think is significant that maybe has happened since then? Obviously, uh, your kids are experiencing fallout from that. Um I know that you've gotten some vocal support and you've been a vocal support to a whole bunch of people. Um, What are we needed to be learning right now? Well, what I will do, I think, Liz, think with me, because I think as I am reflecting on the timeline, I think that, for instance, my blog um, to, to the brothers to explain, mm-hmm. to just give a picture. This is what a lot of it's been like. I think that came after that October of 2016. Don't you, Melissa? I yeah. think it followed it. I think it was in reference to it because what began, if, if I may be so bold, and if this is not appropriate for the podcast, you can throw it out, Marty. <laughs> but where it, it started was in my reaction to the reaction of many male Christian leaders, evangelical leaders, and and not just male, which was even more shocking, uh, to the just Access Hollywood Hollywood Mm -hmm. tapes Mm -hmm. and being so utterly astounded. You know, I I, I lived long enough to be in full-on adulthood and completely involved during the Bill Clinton years. So, you know, I've, I've... I've been around a long, I've seen this thing. I've seen this thing over and over. And I watched the most stunning turnaround I have ever seen in my life. And the thing of it is, I'll, I'll give you one little story here. I'll never forget when I had to apologize to a group um, because I was coming to speak there and they were not, they were like, don't even come unless you will meet with our leadership and, and you will apologize. So I said, okay, wait a second. What, what am I apologizing? Well, it came down to, cause I wasn't sorry. I said it. Oh, I wasn't no. sorry. I said it, but I said, I don't know. I said, I, I will, I can say, I'm sorry. I offended them. Well, on the phone conversation, it was a, a small conference call with the leadership that was bringing me in. And they said, uh, they, they, they were talking about the offense of it. And I said, you know, 
I, I've been called to serve women since I was in my early 20s. I'm trying to imagine in what world I would not have said anything. I said, based on on those on the on the transcript. And I, I'll never forget it as long as I live because they said, oh, well, we haven't read the transcript. They said, because we're just interested in the issues. And I'm and you know, I I, I kept my lips closed that day, but I thought, okay. You have not even heard it because by the time you listen to it, you know, we're not just talking sexual immorality here. Right. We're talking about sexual assault. This is a whole different category. This isn't just immorality. This this slides right on into what I consider to be the kind of thing that qualifies for criminality. Mm-hmm. And so it was outrageous to me. And and what what it did, it I don't know if you've ever had anything that just all of a sudden turned turned a light on in a dim room mm-hmm. where all sorts of things became clear. Because my thought that the reason why women were treated the way we were by what I believe to be godly men, honorable men that loved scriptures is because, well, they were being very uh, careful about the scriptures and this kind of thing. And then I saw, whoa, we're not this there was no esteem to be had there. Mm-hmm. And for every single one of us, you know, to me as women, I, I, I've wanted to say to women before that have, that have uh, so hotly objected to that, you know what, I'm going to take up for you, whether you want to take up for yourself or not, because <laughs> I'm called by God to women's ministry. And you may not think you need taken up for, but I'm going to tell you something's off here. This is misogyny and this is sexism. And I have played by these rules mm. all of this time because I thought this was coming from scripture. And I knew then how much of it was coming from power. Mm. And it, I, it, it was, was it eye opening? It was, it was a deal breaker. Mm. It wasn't just eye opening. It was like, no, no, this is, this is to me, Marty, sinful. Mm. It's sinful. And uh, it, to me, lacked trust in God. I understood the issues. I understood. I I'm pro life. I get it. I get it. But what what I saw was not just this. Oh man, are we ever in a mess here? But it was like almost flying a messianic flag over the White House. And no, I object to that. I object to that. And I'm I'm going to say to you, and I don't know whether you're going to ask me or not. Please do ask me. Ask me right now if I regret any of it, Marty. Beth, do you regret any of that? No. <laughs> I mean, that question just popped into my head. I, I know I it did. <laughs> I know it did. With all that it's done, with all that it's done, with all that it costs. And then that's what led to the other things. But, yeah. you know, I, I, I'll tell you what I don't appreciate. I don't appreciate the buckling down, the doubling down instead of, man, we have something to work through here. Yeah. And I mean, I saw it as recently as a couple of weeks ago that no one can admit that how far this went and how far past scripture some of this has gone in regard to um, women's roles in evangelicalism. It just we just keep saying the same thing over and over. And it's just like, no, no, it's, you don't have to admit it, but I'm not going to quit saying it. 
there's a um, <clears throat> there's a huge danger <clears throat> in the way that we have done theology tribalistically that if you divert from one point and that point isn't on the approved diversion list, then you're no longer part of the tribe and you're off on everything. So you can differ on when the rapture is, you can differ on. So there's a predetermined list of things you can differ on and you can still be in the boat. But if you have a category that you differ on, that's outside the boat, then you're gone. And you're not just like not in fellowship. You're, you may not even be saved. And that is, that is really horrific. Yes. Yes. So Melissa, you said um, something about attacking women in particular. Um, What do you think is the root of this willingness? I think that may be the best word, this willingness to verbally and in type uh, assault women who, for all that anybody knows, love Jesus as much as anybody, serve him with all their heart. And the crux of the issue is they hold a couple of different beliefs. Well, I mean, I think at the core, even if people can't see it, I I think it's misogyny. You know, I think it's um, not wanting women to be in positions where they're in uh, interpreting scripture, um, leading authoritatively in Christian communities. And what I mean about the cruelty is that there's there is it's not that men don't get criticism. I just, I think there's a lack of respect for women in the criticism. And, and you know what I mean? It's like the amount of men who would attack mom for being a heretic, but have never read her work or taken it seriously. Like there's not a real level of respect, you know? Um, So I, I don't want to act like women are the only ones that get this level of, or get attacked. I just think that it has a different tone. Well, <clears throat> approximately 18% of your book is focused on the cross. So y'all are like the worst heretics ever. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, Paul's fault. Y'all I, really I, got to go back to school. Even in the last couple of days, I saw someone on uh, my social media. And a lot of this uh, does not bother me. Marty, I, it truly doesn't just from being so accustomed to it at this point, there is a, there is a line it crosses where all of a sudden it starts to bother me. But one of the things that I saw the other day when some uh, women were talking about having done some of the Bible studies and were speaking favorably about it. One of them said, well, you know, she, uh, she stopped uh, teaching the gospel. And we, <laughs> we just like shook our heads. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know, it, I just, there are so many, I, I've said a number of times, I, I really am aware of some of the things about me that are uh, annoying, but whether or not we pound on the gospel and love the cross of Jesus and constantly focus on the resurrection uh, those are things that are, that's the lifeblood of everything that we do. So the things that I can just kind of go, I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know if you can, <laughs> honestly, if you can get to the end of that and you cannot find the gospel in it, yeah. I'll, I'll pay you a hundred bucks. Yeah. No kidding. <clears throat> um, so 
one of my dear friends is uh, Bob Smetana at Religion News Service. Yes. And I don't like him as much as I used to because uh, you've been talking <laughs> to him about things. Uh, and so every time I'm like, I don't know why she's telling you that instead of telling me that. So, you know, he, <laughs> he thinks he scooped you. I actually saw your, I think you were responding maybe to Griffin Gulledge where you I made this, this, um, you know, I'm no longer Southern Baptist. Right. And I told Sonia <clears throat> after the story came out, I said, Beth Moore's not dumb. She knows Bob's trolling her. She knows somebody's trolling her and they're going to see that. And this is the the leak that she gives to, to get the story out. <clears throat> and so I saw it. Next thing I know, Bob's telling, I talked to Beth Moore. She said, blah, blah, blah. So here's my question for you. This is not the question you asked me to ask. This is the question I'm asking. Do you have anything left for your friend, Marty? Is there any big <laughs> scoop that you can yes. drop right now that I, I can I say, surely, hi, Bob? I surely do hope so. I surely do hope so. Uh, to give you a little bit of background on that, you're absolutely right. And what I had been watching for, my uh, oldest daughter, Amanda, we really are where these this we, we're a little we're this little group of three women and really Liz I started thinking about this really even five because we've got my granddaughter Annabeth who is full on mm. in with uh, Melissa and Amanda and I and everything and even uh, Willa our, our five uh, year old but uh, we are a close group and Amanda had asked me you know I, if if you recall what Bob said I hate to rub that salt in that wound but if you recall what he <laughs> said I had told him I said it was a decision I made nearly 22 months ago and yeah. I can definitely tell you what that what that catalyst was, if you'd like for me to, because it was a, an event that was just like, that's, Oh, please. That's, that's please done. But so she had asked me, she said, mother, when are you going to go public? And she um, was very pointed. And Melissa and I, man, we, we are, we're, we're fiery. Amanda is not as fiery by the time she's going, I need a date. I need to know mm-hmm. because we, want you out. We want you out. And so uh, I, I said, well, what I will do, I said, I, I know I'm, I'm thinking about it. And I knew I was, I was going to need to anyway, because we were shifting gears so strongly at, um, at living proof and taking right. on these, these, the Bible study and taking mm-hmm. on the, um, the events and that kind of thing. And so I said, baby, what I'm asking the Lord for, and I was praying hard about it, open the door where I'll know now's the time. Now's the time. I said, I don't know how to just go. I'm going to choose this date. Mm-hmm. And so Amanda said, and I respected this so much, you've got till before convention. And so I was like, yep. And, and, t- uh, and tell them why she said that, because every convention we deal with, like, the best war for SBC president. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. we're like, in what world <laughs> does mom want to be the SBC president? It's so dumb, and we cannot do it again. No, she says, you know, Mother, somehow you come to the forefront of something, <laughs> something, some kind of controversy every single time. And so Dwight like, McKissick would wear that sandwich board all the way to his funeral. <laughs> I love him so He's much. I love him. So, uh, I, so Griffin, when Griffin said, would you come to a small church? Because Marty, we have, that's exact. I mean, we've totally shifted and gone small. Yeah. So it was like, this is it. And I want you to know that I went to work the next morning going, okay. I'm going to have a, I'll have a call before this day is over. And um, I did. And what, and I'll tell you this because it's somebody that you and I both know uh, as a mutual friend of both of ours. Uh, I was in touch with my buddy, um, Russ Moore, and I said, I'm about to 
I said, I'm, I'm about to go public. And I said, this is, this is who's in contact with me. And he said, he's the one. Mm-hmm. And he said, he's fair. And he said, he's not, you know, histrionic. He's not going to, he's not going to put a lot of fire where there's not a lot of fire. And uh, so when I got, when Bob and I got on the phone, it was like, okay, do you need the short version or long version? Because what I was afraid of Marty <laughs> was that if, if I went to, cause I'm extremely close to Lifeway. I can't, there's no words I can put to what, to how painful that was. I would never have left Lifeway. I, well, I, I can tell you tell. as a former Lifeway employee that your name was on the lips of every employee because they watched your sales because it affected so much that we did. Oh, I, I love, I loved my team there. I yeah. loved my whole experience with them. So it was extremely hard to do. That was the, that was the most heartbreaking part mm. of it. But what I didn't want is to do this short version and then later know good and well that I would tell the whole story mm-hmm. at some point. But now it's going to sound like two completely different stories. And so, okay, so <clears throat> rewind back to <laughs> Beth Moore is- left the SBC. Then she repented and rededicated her life and came back and then she left again. Right. Then it would sound like, oh, it was nothing. It was nothing controversial. It was nothing Mm -hmm. because there was no uh, conflict between Lifeway and and me. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want it to come across like, oh, there was just nothing up, but that she was going to do her own thing. Well, then I was going to say, no, something was up. Mm -hmm. Something was up and something devastating. But and it just got to be time. And, And Lifeway and I had walked through it very, very slowly, very meticulously together uh, for the next. Oh, goodness. Wow. Um, I guess almost a year and a half wow. by the time then we called it, mm-hmm. but I'll take you back. Um, Cause you'll re- Marty, this was big enough that you'll remember it. So two, almost two years ago. So we're, we're recording this in uh, late April. And so this would have been, you know, just, we're just very close to like 23 months, getting close to two years ago. Uh, I did something pretty dumb and teased, you know, my mouth gets away from me and I'm, I'm a sass mouth and a friend of mine, Vicki Courtney and I, she, she, I love to say that she baited me because, you know, I just, there's sometimes I just cannot keep from taking the bait. And so we were on, on Twitter and we were talking about that. We were both speaking at our churches on mother's day mm-hmm. and that uh, please don't tell anyone. Well, that, that very thing, that, that very said thing on Twitter, please don't tell anyone. Yes. Because yeah. you just to be funny. Cause right. I, I knew, I knew some people would be annoyed and I right. knew that some of my favorite people to annoy would be annoyed. And so, you know, that's, that's, that's worth it. And so, um, I just, <laughs> I could not possibly in any, any world have expected what happened. Mm. I couldn't possibly, it was like an atomic bomb dropped and it was at the height at the absolute height of the worst sexual abuse crisis Mm -hmm. in our entire SBC history. We're right in the middle of it. And suddenly the most important conversation, it was everywhere, Marty, Mm -hmm. everywhere, everywhere you looked, everyone was talking about it. Every, I mean, I'm talking, I'm not just talking about hundreds of pastors. Mm-hmm. I'm talking because every now and then someone would say to me, you know, it's just a fringe thing. No, oh, this there was nothing fringe about it. It was the, uh, every kind of article. I was called everything under the sun. And what killed me, and I got to tell you, um, I can feel a lump in my throat even saying this to mm-hmm. you. 
This was my world and these were my people. Mm -hmm. They knew I was not after their pulpit. They knew that there has never been anything in me, never at any time, at any time that had any ambition to be a uh, a senior pastor at a church. I've never been any kind of pastor at a church. I loved what I was called to do. And yet it became it my own home, my denomination that knew me. I had served their women, their women. They knew it. Mm-hmm. 98% of everything I had ever done out and about had been to with women. Yeah. And it was like, this is insane. And it was over Mother's Day. And I need to tell you, Marty, because this is going to probably tell you as much about me as anything else. I spoke again last year on Mother's Day, and I am speaking again in a few weeks on Mother's Day because, by golly, there is nothing inappropriate about coming before a congregation and speaking to Mother's Day and speaking to mothers when I promise you there is not a man on the earth standing at a pulpit who has ever been a mother. Uh, well, well, I was going to say something, but I'd probably get censored if I did. Uh, go ahead, Melissa. Well, I I was just going to say that for me, what was incredibly jarring was to think about the several really high profile Southern Baptist pastors who were like very close advisors to Donald Trump, defending him left and right, etc., endorsing him from their pulpits and nothing happening to them, you know, and people calling for mom to be excommunicated from the ex SBC because she spoke on mother's day. I was like, this is, it exposes so much that that moment was so devastating. I think it was. Yes. Look, I've been in the SBC archives and I've seen the bulletins of Bertha Smith, doing the Sunday morning message, the sermon, the et cetera, in churches all over the SBC. And it was totally acceptable. Everyone knew what was taking place. I know that. Why she was there, who brought her in, and nobody complained. And all of a sudden now it's it's Nagasaki and Hiroshima combined and all the USSR warheads and dirty bombs and everything else because Beth – spoke at somebody's church yeah. on Mother's Day. Yeah, and I, I'm going to tell you, I've said this, Marty, uh, uh, I've used your name a, a dozen times in telling people this. I think it was Steve Besner I said this to not long ago, that you and Bob Roberts and I, um, have we are similar enough peer ages that all three of us can testify openly. We don't recognize this. Yeah. This is... It's like, where on earth is this coming from? This was not what we three, and I mean, certainly there was sexism, but, uh, and there were things that we, you know, we knew going in, okay, there are certain rules, there are certain things, you know, you, you're going to have to stay here and they're going to say, oh, those things were things we could live with. It did not feel like outright misogyny, mm-hmm. but, uh, and then this, and I, one reason why I've been vocal uh, about it is because this is something to me, to me, it's not just an old guard that will die off. It's some of the most prominent voices that are pulling that severely um, to 
uh, that that right extreme mm. are in and over seminaries. And so that is now where our our pastors, our future pastors were being trained. And it was like, what on earth? What on earth? We served brothers and sisters side by side with one another all through, throughout my entire uh, life as a servant um, in the church. Uh, you know, it just, it was, it's been uh, something else. And yeah. I got to tell you, and I, I know that you both know this, but I just, somebody else may need to hear it. I don't, I don't um, fight just to fight. I am, I, I, I like a, a, a very diverse kind of people, but I am willing to fight with if it is to fight for. And I, I believed as as poorly as I did it at times and as many times as I should have stopped three sentences before I did, I that whatever fight this is that I have had with the SVC was because I have loved it indescribably. As always, thank you for listening to Uncommentary. If you'd like to keep up with me on Twitter, it's at Marty Duran. If you'd like to follow the podcast account, it's at UncommentaryPod. Please rate and review. And whichever podcatcher you listen to, uh, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Podbean uh, or Overcast or CastBox, whichever one you use, uh, if you can rate and review, then that would be awesome. It just helps with search results and gives some credibility uh, to the podcast itself. Uh, And as you have an opportunity, if you would promote it, whether you uh, put the link from UncommentaryPodcast.com uh, on your Facebook page, or if you tweet the link or retweet the uh, the initial broadcast that it's live, uh, anything like that to help spread the word is always appreciated. And as always, uh, Solideo Gloria, this is Marty Duran for Uncommentary Podcasts.